Well, it's beautiful to see you all again. It's been just a, a day or two. The priests, we survived the 20 Christmas masses or whatever we had. They were all beautiful. Nothing went horribly wrong, right? Jesus showed up at all of them. It's a great gift. The traditional Catholic thing, which you know, I, I didn't grow up doing this, is actually to go to four Christmas masses. Do you believe that? It's actually quite a, an American Protestant thing to only go to, to one of them. So I had the opportunity a few years ago, my uncle lives in Bratislava in Slovakia. He was in the Air Force, ended up staying over there. And I visited him one year. And having been there so long, he has many friends uh, that are natives that are from that country. So I was able to actually spend Christmas with him and one of these families in the mountains between Poland and Slovakia, that I think Tatra mountains. And it was a, a beautiful time. Is very much behind the Iron Curtain for many years. They had just gotten electricity you know, 20 or 30 years earlier. The, the house was heated by a wood fireplace. The father had to get up every three or four hours to throw more wood on. It's a beautiful experience. So you would go to the vigil mass. You'd hear that super long reading with all the very difficult names, which Deacon did a great job pronouncing a few of my masses, talking about the lineage of Jesus, preparing our hearts for his coming. And then we went home, you had dinner, opened a little presents, a little coffee, take a nap, and then you go back for the midnight mass, the historical, traditional moment of Christ's birth, and you hear from the Gospel of Luke of his birth. And then you go home again, fall asleep, you wake up in the morning, and at the mass for dawn, you hear of the shepherds, the angels appearing to them, and the shepherds going to meet Jesus, symbolic of our own hearts, going out to meet him and he us. And you go back for breakfast and you come back once again and we hear from the prologue of John about the eternal word generated from the Father, generated in our church, in our world, forever. It's a beautiful tradition. It's very tiring, not as tiring as you may think, but it's just so beautiful to see this little village where I was of, it's called Bobro, which means beaver, of 120 people going back to all four masses and everyone sitting in their exact places, the grandma, the grandson, everyone. It's really inspirational for me. And that was one of the, I think, biggest fruits from Vatican II is this revival of the lectionary, of the readings. We have some great ones today on this Feast of the Holy Family. From that first reading, you know, the little takeaway line I kind of cracks me up is, if your father starts to lose his memory, don't treat him right badly, right? Still love your father. And so, rightly as Christ has come into this world as a baby, our readings, this theology continues today, the first Sunday after Christmas, the Feast of the Holy Family. That as God deigned to come into the world as a baby, so then it logically follows that Jesus wanted to launch the redemption of the world from the heart of the family. This is the last little paragraph from today's Gospel. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. The child grew became strong, he was filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. What a simple little paragraph that the Messiah decided to start his redemptive task in the bosom of a simple, pretty ordinary family. We hear of nothing extraordinary happening during those years. Most of those years were silence, were hidden from the world. What a great lesson that silence could be for us today in our culture with just a cacophony of noise. But by his mere presence in that family, growing and becoming strong, he sanctified a home. 
just to imagine all those things Joseph would have taught him, the love which Mary would have had for him. And the momentous insight here, in my opinion, is that our own families, often simple in themselves, can participate in this redemption of the world and the sanctification of a home. That all families are called to mirror the Trinity itself, which is just a pure relationship of free-flowing love. So this has been declared by Pope Francis, the year of St. Joseph. In my opinion, we've had sort of a growing crisis of fatherhood and, and of authentic, emphasis on authentic masculinity, these last few generations. And it's something I know that priests at St. Pat's are going to definitely be preaching about this year. How all fathers, priests or biological, ought to look to Joseph as an example, as a model, as an intercessor, to receive from him that supernatural strength and wisdom to lead and protect their families. And then growing up with such a holy mother, Jesus would have learned so much from her as well. How she quite literally provided that physical nourishment for him. How she mended what was broken from the original sin of Eve to when Jesus would, I don't know, play soccer on the playground and scuff his knee. And how she pondered all those things in her heart. Simeon the prophet prophesied to her, and you yourself a sword will pierce, foreshadowing the passion of her son. Mary and Joseph spent nearly every day of their life like millions of other parents who look after their families. And that is a beautiful, refreshing insight, bringing up their children and taking care of their home. How many sacrifices Joseph and Mary would have made? It says they went to the temple to offer sacrifice. What did they bring? A pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Those things were very cheap back then. In other words, they were poor, the Holy Family. They lived very, very simply. And between these two, Joseph and Mary, what holy affection they had for each other. A living and mutual desire for each other's good and each other's happiness. So this is the family of Jesus, right? Sacred, holy, exemplary, a model of all human virtues, and ready to do the will of God at every single moment. A Christian home is called to be an imitation of this home of Nazareth. So we could ask ourselves, is our home like this? Do we dedicate to it the time and attention that it deserves? Is Jesus the center of our homes? Or do we live only for others or other things? So I invite you to set time aside later today for a little personal prayer and ponder these questions. I tell every couple at some point that I prepare for marriage that their ultimate goal as a future husband, wife, father, or mother is to get themselves and their families to heaven. We could ask ourselves, how are we doing with that? Let us contemplate this holy family today and beg God for the strength and guidance to foster in our own homes the love which is rooted and found always in the Holy Trinity.